0: Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Good morning, church. So good to see you. Hey, can we welcome everybody joining us online today? We love you. Grateful for you. You know, I just really, uh, just really feel just touched really by the, by the Lord today, just regarding what He has for us as a church, and during worship I just sensed the Lord just speak over us that, that which He has done through our church for the last 60 years was His work. It was what He wanted to do and that that is to be celebrated and that is to be acknowledged. But I felt like God was asking us this morning to lift our eyes from what was and to acknowledge that He is the God that is present now and that He wants to take us to a fresh place of the of release of his spirit. And he wants to take us to a fresh place of him doing things in us and through us as a church that only he only he could do. Last year I was on vacation and was just walking and praying. And I felt like the Lord pointed something out. He said, "Jason, why is your stride so short? I thought, well, that's kind of weird. And I felt like he said, lengthen your stride. And then I felt God speak to me and say that this year, that he was going to do more with less steps, less striving, that actually each step that we take He's, we're going to we're going to cover more ground than what we even thought was possible as a church. Not just accomplishing stuff as a church, but for, for you that call this church your home. God is going to do more this year in your life through less effort on your part. Less striving. Less trying to make it happen less trying to, to, to I, I have to find the solution. I just sense God's word over us is that he's, do, he's going to be doing something in an accelerated manner that he can only get the glory for. And I believe that's going to be in your life personally and for us as a church. But I do sense God saying, don't ignore that I'm the God of the now and that I am Moving things to the future that I want to invite you to go with me. I want to accomplish things through you in the future. So acknowledge what I did, celebrate what was done, but lift your eyes by faith to what I want to do in the future and join me. Would you agree with me on that word this morning? And so I just want to be obedient to the Lord and just lead in a prayer of, of, yes, I want that. If that's what you want in your life today, if you've recognized, Lord, I want the supernatural move of, your, of your, you in my life, not through my efforts, but through trusting you, that's you. Just lift your hands right where you are. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the word that has been spoken to us. And we want to respond in faith and say, yes, Lord, we want that. So, Lord, as we continue to move to the future, may you give us the grace to to trust you, to trust in your work, to trust in what you're doing. May may you give us the grace to see all that you want to do in our midst personally, in our families, and in our church. And so we want to say thank you, thank you for entrusting us with the great things that you're going to do through us and in our lives. And we just want to say yes and amen to everything you want to do. In Jesus' name, we all say amen, amen. and amen. Let's give God a hand today, huh? Amen. We've been in a series that was titled Built for This. And... Uh, What that means is that we were built, we were built for something by God to accomplish something. And so we've been looking at kind of the purpose of us as a church and that God would use us to help people believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And after their belief, they would then be a part of the family of God and that that we would help people belong in this church and help them find a home here through all of us together while we're also belonging and finding our home. But also then the next step is that we as a church would help people become wholehearted followers of Jesus. And this is about discipleship, this is about growing in God together and that together we would build the kingdom of God. That's what I wanna talk with, with us today about, is about building the kingdom. What does it mean to build the kingdom. Well, many times it means God breaking in and doing things like he did this morning that builds or establishes his principles, his ways, his word, fresh and new. It, it means we, there's a deliverance or a healing or a, or a sense of, of just a, us being overwhelmed with God's presence. That's also part of the building of God's kingdom because God's kingdom, in God's kingdom, you can receive everything that belongs to God. And since God is a God of peace and healing and freedom, we can receive that and we're on a journey to restore that in our life through God's kingdom. But what is God's kingdom? And I want to share with you this morning because there's a lot of okay, how do we build god 's kingdom, and if god 's kingdom's already established, then what are we building or what are we what are we doing and so because when, when you read the scriptures, you see John the Baptist coming on the on the scene and he he says this, "Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand you 're like, okay, well obviously this is for Jesus died and rose again, but he 's declaring about something is like On the threshold, something is is right there, not fully, not fully realized yet, but it's there. Now Jesus goes out into the desert, and the same thing is repeated. He sees Jesus, he says it again. And so, what does it mean for something to be God's kingdom? And why would John the Baptist say something is coming? And Jesus would say that. How or why would anyone declare or announce that the kingdom's about to show up? I thought everything belonged to God anyway. Unless they were saying something that was different than what we would normally think of of a kingdom. Remember when Jesus was standing before Pilate, he was asking about his kingship and Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. So what in the world is he talking about? If John the Baptist says, hey, it's almost here, it's coming. Jesus also declares that. But then Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. And at the heart of what they're speaking about is this precursor to what was about to happen through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that when the resurrection of Christ took place, which we're going to be celebrating um, on, on Resurrection Sunday this, coming soon, but what was happening, and why was he saying that? It means that when that happened, a kingdom would be established, and it would be ruled by God's appointed Messiah, who is Jesus Christ. Jesus, what, what he was saying, Jesus, not that he, he just came into the world to save people from their sins. He also came to establish a kingdom where he is our king. So it's not just salvation. It's not just healing. No, no, this is about a kingship and a, and a kingdom that is established through his death, burial, and resurrection. So what does that mean for you and I? What does that mean then as, a, as an individual, as a follower of Jesus, and as a church? What does it mean to build the kingdom? Because I thought, well, it's already here. And what Jesus was talking about, there, there was his kingdom, was going to be breaking into our world and breaking into your world. And breaking into our lives and breaking into this earth through the work that he was going to do on the cross. Interesting, after he rose from the dead, he taught his followers for 40 days. And he talked to them and they gathered and they listened to him. That would have been so cool to actually see that. Can you imagine for 40 days? You were like, yeah, he once was dead, now he's alive, now he's teaching. Like, that's a lot of proof right there. But I want you to see what he taught them about. In Acts 1-3, during that time, it says that he was speaking about the kingdom of God. In other words, something had broken in to our world that gave access to people things they didn't have before that a kingdom his kingdom had broken into our world to accomplish things on the earth that had not been accomplished yet and later they asked him three verses later lord now now listen these precious disciples still didn't realize what Jesus came to do they're still like lord will at this time like are, now are you going to restore the kingdom To Israel. Now, Jesus answers them and he demonstrates his nature of kindness. And if this is me, I'd be like, You numpties, how many times? But he doesn't. He says this It's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. Now, look, this is in reference to the restoration of a kingdom. And so, He said, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore? Actually, he begins telling them what they're going to do. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So, Jesus answers their question about a restoration of a kingdom with telling them what he was going to give them and telling them what they were going to do and go be. This comes back to this reality about God is that God never does anything alone. He uses ordinary people like you and me to accomplish his kingdom, to restore the kingdom that already belongs to him. In the garden, Adam lost the kingdom. At the cross and through his resurrection, Jesus regained the authority of the earth for man, and he also brought forth the kingdom of God. And it began to make its way on the earth. Now, it would have been great. Okay, Jesus, why don't you just Instead of 40 days, stay around here for a few years and let's reach the world together. But that's not how God does things. He always invites you and me to be a part of what He's doing on the earth. It's our identity. We're part of His family. That's just the way it is, it's the way it works. And we must understand that as we look at building the kingdom, that really it's not that we're, it's not that we're, Bringing God's kingdom. No, no, we are reclaiming on the earth what already belongs to Jesus because his kingdom has been established. And he does that through you and me. He does that. And so we are a part and joining that. So, what does this mean then to build God's kingdom? How is it that we expand God's kingdom? How is it that we that, that we do this because listen, I look in the mirror every day. I see my own flaws. I see my own my own uh, broken areas of my life that I I you know, I see things come up in me that I thought were way dead like 7 years ago. And I'm like, "Yeah, but I'm not I'm not Jesus." But here's the beautiful thing about God's kingdom and his invitation to every single person. He has placed in you the power of the Holy Spirit, which is this energizing force that everything we do, when it's done for the purpose of bringing him glory and with the intentionality of building and establishing the kingdom of God. Well, what is that? Anything that brings glory to Christ, anything, and we do that in intentionality, we establish God's kingdom. Now, there are some big extraordinary things that God does, but I'm telling you right now, God does extraordinary things through people like you and me who are willing to do the ordinary things of following Jesus. Everybody wants the extraordinary. Everybody wants the big, the bang. Everybody wants these extraordinary things. And there's nothing wrong with extraordinary. They're helpful, the extraordinary conference or the extraordinary podcast or the extraordinary meeting or the extraordinary. But that is not how God intended for his kingdom to begin to grow on the earth. And for the glory and, and for the knowledge of God to cover the earth as waters Cover the sea. In 1 Corinthians 3 9, Paul says this We are co workers in God's service. Wow, co workers. Most of us don't see ourselves like that, but God does. And even when Jesus was before Pilate, he said, I, you know, my is not of this world. Philippians 3.20, Paul tells the church, our citizenship is in heaven. Paul later says that we're aliens. So every person who gives their life to Jesus, who believes in Christ, every person becomes a representative for Christ. Every person is given the power of the Holy Spirit, which we just read, on how to restore God's kingdom. And we're to be witnesses. We're to to be witnesses through our lives. Now, most of the time when we hear witness, you think of of going out and sharing Christ and knocking on doors. And Yes, that is part of witnessing. But this is so much more than what people realize. Most people don't know and understand that God has anointed you to build his kingdom in the most ordinary ways. Because we think the kingdom is built through the extraordinary. But I want to challenge us as as a church as we look to the future, what would it look like for us to be, to embrace the reality that we're ordinary? We're human. The Bible calls us sheep and that God wants his people to apply his word in ordinary ways in ordinary life and every day of life And through the ordinary application of God's word, with the intention to bring him glory and honor in our life, God shows up in extraordinary ways. Like something this morning, this is a very ordinary church gathering. But in the midst of us being faithful to the ordinary, God shows up and sets people free from the spirit of fear and from demonic power over their life. Why? Because we did the ordinary. And this is how God builds his kingdom. It's hard to go on a book book sale. It's hard to do like a book tour if it's like do the ordinary for the glory of God. People are like, yeah, no thanks. Tell me something extraordinary. And what you saw in the early church is the returning to the ordinary life bringing glory to an extraordinary God. And you see God using ordinary fishermen, ordinary guys who are good with numbers, ordinary people. And the Bible says, turn the world upside down. And it wasn't just them, it was because those who received the message, put their faith in Christ, then began to live out the kingdom principles in their life. And the extraordinary happened. And it turned cities upside down for the glory of God. It turned educational systems upside down. It turned healthcare, it's established healthcare systems in our world today. It it, it created laws and and, and legislation that protected the innocent, that, that punished those who were evil. This is what the ordinary looked like, and it turned the world upside down. And God uses faithful, ordinary people to help build his extraordinary kingdom on the earth. This is what we're called to do. We trust God in our daily life, in our daily work. We do good works as he's called us to do. We apply God's word to our finances. We build the kingdom of God and the raising of our children by applying the word of God and the raising of our children. We build the kingdom of God through the ordinary of gathering as a church, through ordinary things of serving our community and sharing our hearts with others. And we build the kingdom of God through loving one another. It's not shiny. It's not sexy. But it attracts the extraordinary spirit of God that shows up and does extraordinary things. And it Sets in place the reality that nobody can take glory for it except for God Himself. Ordinary. We've lived in a a church, in a Western church world, where everybody is chasing the extraordinary the extraordinary service, the extraordinary music, the extraordinary accomplishments. And I am convinced the reason why the church doesn't see the extraordinary is because we think it's irrelevant to actually building God's kingdom in the ordinary. And but when you begin to do things, your ordinary daily life, with a hard intention, "Lord, I want to bring you glory. Lord, I want to establish your kingdom. Lord, I wanna be a witness to how I live my life. I wanna be a witness to my children, how I treat my wife or how I treat my husband. I wanna be a witness to the person I meet in the restaurant. I I wanna be a witness on how I do my work. And I wanna be a witness when faced with a dilemma at work or school or in some educational setting, Lord, I wanna bring you honor. And because I believe the kingdom of God is here and now, I'm gonna apply your word to this situation. I'm going to be a witness for you that the kingdom of God is broken into my life. And when I walk it out, it changes something. A supernatural sense of his presence shows up. And what if the church decided to be ordinary and be faithful to the ordinary things that God's called us to do? Because we live in a superstar world, many, many of us have ignored the ordinary areas of our life to bring Him glory while seeking the extraordinary of what God wants to do in my life and happens to be with my face as the reason why it happened. And God delights in establishing his kingdom. I I, I want you to understand like what God says about you. Peter says this, you, 1 Peter 2, you, are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. It means everybody's, but there's faith in Christ. You are a holy nation, God's special possession. Why? That you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. He goes on to say, Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And so God uses ordinary people as kingdom, as a kingdom of priests. Now, what did the priests do in the, in the Old Testament? They would go and they would minister to God on behalf of the people. And the people were those who couldn't come any closer to God, who were far off, who didn't have all the right qualifications, but they ministered and they were priests. Everything they did was holy. And God says you are a kingdom of priests who represent and offer his grace to all creation through the ordinary of your life. Many of us write right now, would think, yeah, I know areas of my life, my ordinary areas that I am not applying the kingdom principles. So when you're a part of the kingdom, we operate from a different set of guidelines, from a different set of realities. We, why? Because we're, we're, our citizenship is in heaven. And Je- Jesus, when Jesus was asked what to pray, this is what he said. Okay, when you pray, do this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In other words, holy is your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus rose from the dead, he told his disciples, all authority has been given to me. Where? In heaven and where? On earth. And then he says, hey, listen. When you pray, pray this. Now, What I love about this is our Father in heaven, holy is your name. So this command, these are people who are citizens of heaven. The only ones who can pray and it it happened, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven, are those who belong to the family of faith. So these are those who consider God's name as holy and have come to God through his son, Jesus Christ. And because of that, We can pray, God, your kingdom come. God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean in our life? It means if it's not in heaven, we should ask the Lord to help us to remove it from our lives on earth. What what it means is when we talk about Transforming the nations and and praying for our city. If things in our city are not in heaven, it should be a point of prayer and action to those who are called to those areas to get them removed from our city. If you want to look at education system, if what's being taught to your neighbor's son in school isn't in heaven, if you really want to love your neighbor, you should pray and care about what's being taught in our schools. This is how you establish the kingdom of God. This is not a political thing. This is a kingdom thing. So if we live in a city where abortion is happening. And we ask the question, is abortion in heaven? Then it should be a point of our concern, prayer, and as you're called, actions to it. When it comes to stewardship, what stewardship means in God's kingdom is to do things in the manner in which God would do them. So how do we, there are very practical ways that we will, we will talk about this, but what does it look like for all of, our, all of our lives to be fixed on bringing forth all of the kingdom? And it's in the ordinary that God shows up and does extraordinary things. These prayer walks that we're going to be doing, listen, I, I, I love to pray, but I'm always like, hey, I, yes, but I want to do. Why? Because prayer is ordinary. So my flesh is like, yeah, this is ordinary. But God delights in taking your ordinary actions and doing something extraordinary. That we go, what in the world? How did that happen? I just did some ordinary prayers. That's what God is calling us to All of Christ in all of life. This is what he's bringing us into. That we would not be the heroes. But we would do ordinary things to bring glory to Christ. So that he would do extraordinary things. Through the ordinary preaching of God's word, God does extraordinary things. To the ordinary prayers of people like you and me, as we call His name holy and ask Him, He does miracles. He heals bodies. He sets people free. I, I I would love it all the time. And because it doesn't happen all the time, then someone tries to chase something else somewhere else. That maybe that's happening all the time. But what if it's because we have abandoned the ordinary? What if it's because we're, we're chasing the next extraordinary thing? And by doing that, we're not seeing the extraordinary in the area in life that God's called us to be in. God loves doing extraordinary things through ordinary means. He just does. It's just how he, how, how he, has, he has worked how he has set things in place. So the truth is that every believer is a priest before God, united with Jesus, our chief priest. So our, 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 our believe, us as believers, our gathering, though it's ordinary, holds an immense, significant value in releasing the extraordinary anointing of God in our lives. The prayers of a woman on Friday are as valued and valuable and powerful in the sight of God as the prayers of a pastor on a Sunday. The Sunday school teacher who's who's an accountant, her teachings are just as valuable as the lectures of a seminary professor. All believers. Possess God's anointing. All are priests before God. All are significant in building God's kingdom. 1 John 2 says, The anointing that you receive from him abides in you. Wow. That anointing abides in you. And we grow in that anointing by applying the principles of our kingdom to the daily life of our lives. And yes, God gifts some people more than others. It's not to say that he hasn't ordained the structure of, of the church or elders who shepherd the flock, and, but, but just so you're aware, anyone who's serving in that role, because that's what God asked them to do, is an ordinary person. They can tell you they're extraordinary all they want, but I promise you, they're ordinary. God uses ordinary Christian churches who apply his word to each other, to what it means to be part of a church, to our service, to our finances, To our life, to our home, to our families, to our marriages, to our children, to our work, to our community. And he does extraordinary things. And we build the kingdom. And see God begin to release things to us that we never thought possible. And he builds his kingdom through ordinary ways. And we serve as ordinary people. And we experience Extraordinary things through the grace of God. This is how God works. 1 Corinthians 1. For the message of the cross, now, so I I want you to see how God loves ordinary things, is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are saved by its power. It's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased. Through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. He initiated the salvation message of the world to be something that people go, that's it? Yes. Simple, ordinary. I remember I shared the gospel at a youth meeting years and years ago and this beautiful, beautiful young lady She was I think 15, 16. She was from Hawaii. She came over and she looked at me with her beautiful Samoan face. She had these tears running down her face. She says, is that really it? Is that really all I have to do is say yes to that salvation? I said, yes, that's it. And she smiled so big and she said, that's good news. And I said, well, that's what it's called. It's called the good news. (laughs) Simple, but extraordinary. That's what God has called us as a church. The scripture goes on, for since the wisdom of God in the world and world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased with the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs. Greeks look for wisdom or philosophy or deep thinking, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think about When you were called, not many of you were wise by human standards, doesn't say all of you, but not many, Not, not many were influential, not many were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are So that, look at this, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Ordinary. 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 And God is calling us to return to the ordinary Christian life so that by His grace, we would see the extraordinary move of God in our midst, in our city, in our family. And God calls us God calls us to return to the ordinary Christian life, to the ordinary biblical church, to the ordinary what it means to be a family, to the ordinary of reading this word, to the ordinary of allowing the word of God to to penetrate us, whether we like the preaching or not. To, to the ordinary, of a, to, to, to sense God's kingdom being built in our midst through a song that's worship to him. To the ordinary of how we apply him in every day of our life, how we gather and pray together when we do that. Another thing we're gonna do after service is we have around 40 ordinary people who are going to be baptized in, in ordinary water? But it's through the ordinary that God God sets people free. We're going to be taking communion right now. It's through the ordinary Lord's Supper, like bread and Jews? See, the, the, the church in, in the beginning, they used to… All these things were… The, the priests were extraordinary. The, they, they used to keep the, the, uh, the communion wine behind locked doors because it's extraordinary and what if it gets spilt and everything was, stay away. But God actually brings us back to the ordinary, through ordinary things. If you can, you can get your communion out right where you are. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul talks about communion. And he says, some of you are sick and even died because you've been taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Now, there are a couple ways of taking that. Either you took it because you weren't perfect. Well, uh, I'm, is anybody perfect here? Okay. Or it means you're taking it, not really understanding that through the ordinary, God brings life to you. Through the ordinary wafer that represents his body, the stripes on his back, you were healed that the punishment that brought you peace was upon him. I believe he's saying you're you're not remembering what Jesus said to remember. But it's through the ordinary elements that God begins to remind us of our salvation. God begins to move in our physical bodies. God begins to transform our minds. Through the remembering of the blood of Christ that is this juice. you begin to experience the extraordinary being set free from condemnation of your past sin and understanding your identity in Christ today, that you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ through the shed blood of the Son of God. And we remember and it gives us life. It's ordinary, but it's extraordinary. And so may we as a church return to the faithfulness of the ordinary, of what it means to be part of a church, what it means to honor God and our family, what it means to say all of Christ in all my life and ask for his grace to help you apply that. And may we begin to share Christ with others through witness, through love, through actions, And may we open our lives up for the extraordinary hand of God to move. So Lord, today we come to your table and you sit at the head. And we come God to this ordinary elements of a cracker and some juice. And we want to take it, Lord, as ordinary people, recognizing how extraordinary you are. And so, Lord, we take this bread that represents your body for me, and we receive the ordinary bread asking you to do extraordinary things in our life as we consume it and put our faith and remember in what you've done. Let's take the bread together. Lord, we come to the ordinary juice, and Lord, as we drink it, I ask you that we would receive the extraordinary blessing of it. May it connect us to the reality of what was done, and may it give us grace for others. May it give us grace for ourselves. May we embrace today our ordinariness and may we experience the forgiveness and deliverance of what your blood represents. Let's take together. If we can, let's stand together. thank you for your patience this morning as I know we've gone a little long. But I want to close with this. I wonder if we were to create a list of all of the... All that, I'll say it this way, all that contributes to the kingdom of God all that contributes to building the kingdom of God through large events compared to a list of moments that occur through the actions of ordinary Christians. If we were to compile a list, now I don't know for sure, but I'm almost certain the second list would be much longer. And so may we go forth and be a sheep and an ordinary believer, applying the Word of God in our life to people around us, to our work, to all areas, all of Christ, for all of life. And by His grace, may we see extraordinary things happen in our midst. Amen. Just raise your hands, I'd like to bless you today. Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus that you would bless your people. I pray a blessing over them, God. I ask you, God, that if anyone ever thinks for any moment, they're ever tempted to think that they can't play a part in building your kingdom, may they think again. And may all of who you are, by your grace, be worked into all of who they are. And may we be a witness and restore the kingdom of you, Christ, on this earth together, in the world, in our lives, and in this city. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, friends. When you leave today, this is our 40 days of prayer. You can pick up one of these cards, please do. And let's be on mission this week as we do some ordinary praying together. Amen. Bless you. For those being baptized, come on up. If you can stay around, it'd be awesome to celebrate what God's doing. Love you all. Bless you. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, visit faith.church. That's faith.church.